Good morning. It's good to see you guys. Uh, did you know there are uh, four stages we go through in life? Stage number one, you believe in Santa Claus. Stage number two, you don't believe in Santa Claus. Stage number three, you are Santa Claus. Stage number four, you look like Santa Claus. Santa Claus was at the mall and uh, he uh, looked up and there was a uh, 20-year-old woman who was... Uh, Sitting on his, getting ready to sit on his lap, and so he let her sit down, thinking it's a bit strange. Normally, I don't take requests from you know adults, but uh, she smiled so sweetly, so he let her. He said, "So, uh, what do you want for Christmas?" She said, "Well, I, I really want something for my mother." And he said, "That's so kind of you, so sweet. Well, what can I bring your mother?" She said, "A son-in-law." <laughs> well, I don't know what kind of gift you're looking for uh, this Christmas. Uh, the greatest gift. The greatest gift of our, has already been given, the gift of grace. And we've been in this uh, series uh, for a couple of weeks talking about a simple Christmas, uh, trying to help us to focus in on what's really meaningful and important this time of year. And uh, we've been trying to do that these last few weeks. You, you know, this uh, story, after all, this whole season is really about the coming of the light of Jesus into our sin-darkened world. And uh, today I want to really try to focus in on the story of Jesus' arrival and what that means for our lives. Let me begin by telling you a story. There was a, a king. And this king lived in a great palace. He had everything that you could think someone would want. He had tremendous power and wealth. There had never been anybody before him as powerful and wealthy. No one who came after him as powerful and wealthy. He had everything except one thing. He wanted to find a woman to marry. Someone to love. Someone to love him. Now, there were plenty of opportunities in his kingdom. There were many women who would have been happy to marry him. Uh, he was not only powerful and wealthy, but he was known as a king who was great character and kindness and justice. And he was just a great guy. But his fear was, in all these women, if I would marry one of them, how would I know that they really loved me? Not for my power and my wealth and my kindness, but how would I know that they truly loved me? You see, he wanted more than just a body in the palace. He wanted someone's heart. He wanted to love them. One day as he was out of the palace, he noticed a peasant woman. Now, there was nothing special about this woman that should have caused her to catch his eye. Nothing outstanding in any way, but she did. She caught his eye. And he found himself over the next several days seeing her again and again and again and again. She caught his eye and he found himself falling in love with this peasant woman. So he began to wonder, how, how could I find out if she would be interested in me? How could I gain her love? He asked his advisors, and his advisors said to him, why don't you just command her to love you? You, you are the king, after all. You can take away her freedom. You can command her to love you. She'll have to. But that wouldn't satisfy him again, because he didn't want just a person in the palace. He wanted to know he had someone's heart. They said, his advisor said, why don't you look for someone of more noble character? And he did. In fact, for days and weeks, he looked for someone else, but his mind and heart were drawn back to this peasant woman. He thought one day, you know, I could, I could shower her with gifts. He saw her desperate need in life and her struggles in life, and he thought, I could just pour out gifts on her. And she'd love me. But then he thought, no. I don't know for sure if I did that. Would she love me for what I gave her or would she love me for me? And so he decided it was the only way. 
The only way he could think of. And one day this king decided to take off his crown and to put down his royal scepter and to take off his royal robe and to leave the palace once and for all. He lived in a dump. He etched down a living in the dirt. He begged for food. He became as ragged as the one that he loved. John chapter 1 talks about a king in his palace. John chapter 1 says this, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Through Him all things were made. Without Him nothing was made that has been made. The King, God, is in His palace. Now this King, this God, is beyond all time and space. He has no beginning and no end. His power is unlimited and He is perfect in character and in love. The King, the King was in His palace. But listen to what happens in Luke chapter 2. In those days, Caesar Augustus issued a decree that a census should be taken of the entire Roman world. And everyone went to his own town to register. So Joseph also went up from the town of Nazareth in Galilee to Judea to Bethlehem, the town of David, because he belonged to the house and line of David. He went there to register with Mary, who was pledged to be married to him and was expecting a child. And while they were there, the time came for a baby to be born. And she gave birth to her firstborn, a son. She wrapped him in cloths and placed him in a manger. And so the king became as ragged as the one he loved. The greatest gift that's ever been given was given in that moment. It is the gift that this season is all about. When the king became as ragged as the one he loved. He left the palace, the throne of heaven, and he came as a baby into our world on a rescue mission to rescue us. He is Emmanuel, God, with us. I wonder how many of you knew the name Manuel Gonzalez before October, back in September. Did you know that name? Unless you knew somebody around here named that. Not the one I'm talking about. Manuel Gonzalez became known to nearly all of us on October 12th when he climbed into that 21-inch capsule and made that trip 2,300 feet down the shaft that had been created by man to rescue some miners in Chile. Manuel Gonzalez went down that long journey, 15 minutes, on a rescue mission. To help those miners that we talked about the very first week move from living in that relatively dark hole to get back to the light. He went on a rescue mission. And today we know his name because he spent October 12th, 13th, and 14th in that tunnel on a rescue mission helping people to get back to the light. Do you know what God's gift to us was a gift of love? He became as ragged as the one He loved because He wasn't willing to live without, without our love. And it was a costly gift. It's as expensive a gift as it gets. Because He left the throne and gave up everything. God allowed His Son, His only Son, to die on the cross for us. It's an expensive gift. And yet, 
And yet this gift has so often been rejected. In fact, listen again to what it says in John chapter 1, verse 10. He was in the world. And though the world was made through Him, the world did not recognize Him. He came to that which was His own, but His own did not receive Him. The gift was given, and yet the gift was often rejected. Notice the word receive in verse 11. It is the word paralambano. And it is not just the concept of accepting a gift, the act of accepting and receiving. It goes on to the spirit in which the gift is received. It's about embracing the gift. It's not just accepting, but it's embracing It's about desiring it and cherishing it, taking it into yourself. It's to receive it with joy. This word today, we might use a similar word in a marriage ceremony. When a man and a woman stand before a pastor and the pastor says to them, to the man, do you take this woman? Do you paralambano this woman? Do you embrace her? Do you receive her with joy? Do you cherish her? Do you take her unto yourself? It is more than just Unwrapping the gift and moving on. It is cherishing and embracing it. And yet many have rejected this gift that God gave us. Why would people not embrace the gift that God has given us? There are several reasons. I think first, some people are offended by the message of Jesus. You know what? If you trace through the life of Jesus, you discover people love the Christmas Jesus. They adored that little baby in the manger. And they loved the miracle Jesus who did all kinds of miracles for them. But when He became the preaching Jesus and began to challenge their lives about things, they weren't so willing to accept. They were offended by His message. And they refused to receive the gift of Jesus. Others have rejected His gift simply because they think that in receiving Jesus they'll have to reject someone else. They believe in Jesus, but they don't want to receive Him because they're afraid what their family or others will think or say about them if they receive this gift. There are still others that um, think expected a different kind of Savior or Messiah. They, they expected this Messiah to save them in a different way. He, he didn't save me from cancer. He, he didn't save my marriage. He didn't save us for, from, from foreclosure. So how do you think He's going to save me? And so because He's not the kind of Savior they expected, they reject Him. There's one other reason, but I need you to roll the slide because I can't think what it is. Yeah. Other people, sorry. Um, other people have rejected the Son of God because of the children of God. They refuse to receive Jesus because they don't like Christians. They say about Christians, they're annoying, they're hypocritical, they're selfish. And they're right. And I apologize. And sometimes we act that way. But don't let the wrapping paper keep you from seeing the real gift that God wants to give you. There are a lot of reasons that we reject the gift. And maybe you've gotten some gifts at Christmas time that you, you were tempted to reject. 
A few years ago, my wife and I were given a weather radio by our in-laws. Now, I know on the surface that seems like a good gift, doesn't it? But it was a gift when we got it. I thought, I don't really want this gift. And my prophecy came to be true. Because here's the thing. I live in a single-story house, like all of you, with no basement. There is a window in every single room. And so my thinking is, what good does a weather radio really do me? Other than, now I'm going to be afraid. Because I can't go anywhere. You know, if there's a tornado coming in a few minutes, or there's a severe thunderstorm, what am I going to do? Nothing. Just going to wait it out. So all the weather radio does is wake me up in the middle of the night to tell me that a storm is coming. And finally, my wife agreed with me. On one particular stormy summer night, that weather radio kept going off, and no matter what we tried to do to silence that thing, it just kept going off. Finally, she got so frustrated with the gift that she took it out to the garage, stuck it in the van, and shut the door. And we went back to sleep. We slept right through that storm. There are gifts that we get sometimes that we want to reject, and some people have been given this incredible, all of us, have been given this incredible gift by God, and for whatever reason, we have chosen to reject it. But listen again to how the story continues in Luke chapter 2, in verse 8. And there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid. I bring you good news of great joy that will be for some people, that will be for the religious people, that will be for rich people, that will be for knowledgeable people. No. I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. Today, in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. And He is Christ the Lord. When God looked down and saw us, when He saw mankind, He said, you know what they need? They need a Savior. They need someone who will dive into the putrid river of their sin and rescue them. God sent His Son, Jesus, to save us from hell. Not to save us from temporary struggles or problems. He sent Him to save us from hell. Imagine you were staying in a, a rather nice hotel. And on this particular evening, you had already gone to bed and fallen asleep in the comfortable bed. I said it was a nice hotel. And you're sound asleep when in the middle of the night, the fire alarm begins to go off throughout the building. And if you've ever heard a fire alarm in a motel, you are going to wake up to it. And you sit up straight in bed and realize, I smell smoke. In fact, it's a little smoky in here. And you realize, this is the real deal. And so you quickly gather yourself and uh, maybe throw on some clothing, and um, you notice as you're about to head out the door, those water bottles. You know the ones that they charge you like five bucks for when you stand, if you drink it? And you think, this is my chance, what's it going to matter? And you take that water bottle and say, I'm taking this with me in case I, I need it, in case I kind of get choked up, I'll have something to drink. And so you take that water bottle, and as you're heading down the smoke-filled hallway, you, you notice a, a room that's open. And there in the corner is a young lady down, sitting down, and she is coughing and hacking and her room is really smoky and you think this water bottle would be great relief to her. And so you rush into her room and you hand her that water bottle and she takes a big drink and kind of stops coughing and you leave and go on down the hallway and get yourself out of the building. 
you know what? Jesus didn't come to give us the drink of water that we often think we need. He came to put us on His back and to carry us out of the fire. And yet, at times, some have chosen to reject. The Bible says she will give birth to a son and you're to give him the name Jesus because he will save his people from their sins. You see, we, all of us, me included, we're sinners. And we need a Savior. We needed Jesus to save us. It's interesting, that word paralambano appears in John chapter 1 at the very beginning of Jesus' life. We don't see that word used again throughout the rest of His lifetime until you get to almost the very end in John chapter 14, where Jesus is having a conversation with His disciples, His closest followers, and He's trying to comfort them about His leaving earth. And in John chapter 14, verse 3, we read these words. Jesus says, If I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again, and there's the word, and receive you. I will come again and paralambano you. I will come again and embrace you, take you unto myself, that where I am, there you may be also. You see, Jesus is going to come again. This time not as a helpless baby, but as a conquering king. In fact, in the book of Revelation, it describes Jesus' return not only as a conquering king, but it also describes Jesus as the bridegroom coming to Paralambano, to embrace with joy His bride. His bride, those who have received His gift. He's coming to take us someday to be with Him, to embrace us, to cherish us if we've received the gift. So there was a king who lived in a palace. He had everything that someone could desire, power and wealth, but one thing was lacking. He longed for someone to love. Someone who would love him. There was a peasant woman who caught his eye. He wanted to gain her love but he wanted to know that she really loved him and not just what he did for her. And so this king laid down his crown and his scepter and his royal robe and became as ragged as the one that he loved. Now I know we ought to know how does the story end. And you know what we all, I hope that we all want it to have a happily ever after ending, don't we? I mean, I like those kinds of stories. I mean, I want to think that this woman was was undone by His amazing love. The fact that He would leave His his palace and His throne and become as ragged as she was. I want to believe that she was undone by His love and she began to love Him and that they lived together for the rest of their lives. But here's the thing. I don't know how the story ends because the ending is up to you. The gift has been given. The light has come into our darkened world. You have to decide. Do I accept the gift? Do I receive Jesus? Do I follow Him? Or do I reject the gift and go my own way? 
when we wrap up this morning, I'll be right down here in the front. And if this is the day you're ready to receive the gift, why don't you come talk to me? God, thanks for the gift of Jesus. He is with us. And Father, I pray for those in this room that have never received the gift. May today be the day. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.